Come on, y'all ready for this? Come on, y'all ready? Come on, that worship set was hot, man. I mean, that was good stuff. And so now it's time to jump into the word Psalms chapter 51. You know, if you go to Psalms 51, it's going to be a good day. And we're going to look at verse 10 through 12. And you have heard this before, but today I want to use it to set up the message in this series we're in from broken to breakthrough. Amen. Verse 10 of Psalms 51, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Come on, I like that O God part in there. You know what I'm saying? It kind of emphasizes this whole clean heart thing is a lot harder than I thought. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Watch this. And renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, come on, restore to me the joy of your salvation and upholding me with a willing spirit. Man, such a good verse. King David penned this after a pretty epic failure in his life. He had committed adultery and uh, the man's with this, with this woman and then he sent her husband into war to kind of get him out of the way so that he didn't feel as bad for what he has done. And he has this, this meeting with God and realize I'm wrong. And he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right kind of spirit within me. I thought that was interesting that he wrote that because he knew God will forgive me for what I've done. But just because I've been made right doesn't mean that everything is all right. All right now. All right. And so today I want to take a few minutes to talk to you about a right spirit. I'm not talking about one of those spirits where I'm right and you're wrong. Okay. Because we got too much of that. And by the way, that is the wrong kind of spirit is rooted in pride. And if you have that kind of spirit, you need to deal with it. But we're, today we're talking about having a right spirit where there's this, it's, I'm right with God, and things are all right within me. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to get together with, with every believer in this house today and those who are watching online. And I just pray now that your Holy Spirit will come and do the work. I'll say the words, but Father, we need you to do the work. And I ask, Father, today that these words will be life-giving, but not just life-giving, life-changing. Father, I pray you pierce through all of the hard hearts, all of the things that have been built up in our lives that have created barriers. I pray you, Holy Spirit, will bring breakthrough into every person's life today. And as we walk out of here, Father, I pray, God, not only will our minds be changed, but our spirits, God, we will have a right spirit, a pure heart, and a right spirit with you. Thank you, God, that, that you have given me this message. God, let me say it with the right heart and the right spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to recap last week as we jump into the message today. Yeah, I got water bottles falling. It gets a little bit, a little movement up here, y'all know. Um, we kicked off this series. I didn't mean to make it a series, but here we are. Uh, we, we preached this message last week called Broken to Breakthrough. And we went to Acts chapter 8. And we were talking about the, the believers in the church who had been uh, persecuted. And they were pushed out of Jerusalem into Samaria. And we put a play on words and we talked about some area. We all have some area in our lives that we would rather not go. Am I right? Like in conversation, I'd just rather not go there. That's some area. There's some things that we're struggling with, some things that we're, ta that we're dealing with in our lives that we would just rather not have to talk about. Can I just be honest with you? I mean, can we talk about something else? How's the weather today? It's beautiful. Well, oh, the pollen is so bad. You know, we just deflect away from these things. But, but it's interesting how whenever they face persecution, they were forced into Samaria. Isn't it something how when you start going through one thing in your life, it leads to another? Just trying to take care of this one thing, and it pushes you into some area that you would rather not have to deal with. And this seems to be what is happening here. 
with the church because they felt pretty comfortable in Jerusalem because God was moving, the Holy Spirit was just poured out, and it's revival, man. Everything is happening that is so good. And in the middle of all that, they were persecuted by some of the religious leaders who were continually trying to shut down what Jesus has started. And they noticed uh, that the persecution was intensifying, and one of their one of their up-and-coming leaders named Stephen was martyred for his faith. And, and whenever people begin to lose their life for the faith, it catches people's attention where they realize, I don't want to be next. So they, they, they made their way out of Jerusalem, and we said it like this. We like to have a plan for how we're going to move forward. Am I right? Like, draw me a road map, make it plain and simple, and I will do it. Well, they didn't have a plan. They had persecution. And God used the persecution to bring them to a new place. And I just wonder, what if God's using some of the trouble in our lives to move us into a place that we need to go? That just isn't comfortable. Look at your, look at your neighbor and say, I don't like these kinds of messages. I don't like them either. You want the encouraging message. You want the, everything's going to be good. Give you the little sugar verses, you know, like a little, a little, a little candy. Give me a little, a little Jolly Rancher watermelon. Come on, Jolly Rancher watermelon. The other morning, my daughter gave me a Jolly Rancher watermelon, and I thought, these things are still around. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, they just will not go away. That's a legendary piece of candy right there. Couldn't get away with that in class because everyone could smell it teeth literally rotten out of your head as you're sucking on this candy. So last week we talked about how oftentimes we try to handle spiritual matters only with practical means. There's some spiritual things that are going on in our lives. There's some spiritual things that are going on in our world, and we cannot fool ourselves to believe that we could just practically take care of it all. There are some spirit, there's some spiritual needs in our world today. Can I hear an amen? And, and I believe the church should be spiritual and practical. Because if you're not practical, you get weird. I'm just telling you the truth. If you're all spiritual and you have no practice in it, you sound weird, you act weird, you look weird, you do weird things, and people just won't want to be around your weirdness. Amen. Thank you. But then there's the other side of it where it's just all practical and there's a hesitancy to become spiritual because I don't want to identify with those people, and I'm not one of those people that believes in that stuff because that sounds a little like conspiracy stuff. No, I don't know about all this stuff. And so we have put ourselves in the position to where it's either or. You're either a spiritual person or a practical person. And all the spiritual people just thank God that they're spiritual and they're feeling good about it, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And they are feeling good about themselves. And the practical people are feeling good about themselves too because they will quote, don't just be hearers of the word, but be ye doers of the word. You heard how I slid that ye in there, right? Old King James language to give it emphasis to make sure you know that it's okay to be practical. And so last week as we were presenting this message, we, we really wanted to dive into the debate between being spiritual and practical, but we came to this conclusion that it's not either or. It's both and. What if we could be both spiritual and practical? What if we had the power of God working in our lives with the practice of everything that God said. Come on. I believe that is the perfect recipe for breakthrough in our lives. But in order for there to be breakthrough, this is so important. We need spiritual power. We need spiritual power to break through some things. Now, let's go back to Acts chapter 8. We're going to read a little bit today. But y'all are Bible people, and you can hang with this. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says, Now those believers who had been scattered went from place to place, preaching the word. 
the good news of salvation through Christ. It wasn't the preachers preaching. It was the people, the believers, that began to preach. It doesn't say they had a tape ministry. It doesn't say that they had this big television program or anything. They didn't have a Facebook page. They didn't have any of that. They just started telling people about Jesus because he had been so good to them, they wanted to share it with others. Verse 5, Philip, they call him the evangelist here, but I want to remind you that Philip was one of the people who were chosen by the apostles to help take care of feeding widows. He was just asked to come and serve in a position in the church, and he was described as a man being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all he got. I got the Holy Spirit, and I can help put some macaroni and cheese on the plate for you. Do I have to wear a hairnet? You know what I'm saying? Do I got to wear a glove? Like, just tell me what I got to do, and I am here to serve and here to help. Now we fast forward because there's a persecution that is taking place, and they're being pushed out of their comfort zone. And what we see is this guy, Philip, starting to step up. And so Philip the evangelist goes down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, to them. Watch this, verse 6. The crowds gathered and were paying close attention to everything Philip said as they heard the message and saw the miraculous signs which he was doing, validating his message. He wasn't all talk. There was some power that was behind it, and people were listening intently. They wanted to know, what is it this guy has? Watch this in verse 7, because now it intensifies. For unclean spirits, parentheses, demons. You didn't know you would go come to church and talk about that today. Demons, shouting loudly, were coming out of many who were possessed. And right now, people are thinking, I wonder if somebody has a demon here. All right, why do we do that? We just go deep. I mean, I'm practical, but I, that kind of stuff, I get deep real quick. I wonder if I got one. Don't look at nobody because they might think you do <laughs> for unclean spirits shouting loudly were coming out of many who were possessed and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed so there was great rejoicing in that city man this revival that they had experienced in one place is now taking place in another and it wasn't because of the location that they were in it was because what God had put in them it was going wherever they went. Do you believe that God can put something in you that no matter the location, it still has power? It's still powerful. I know you felt it here today, but even when you go home, it's still powerful at home. And it's still powerful at work. And it's still powerful in the middle of that meeting, in the middle of that conversation when you're handling those kids. Come on. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, me. So there was great rejoicing in that city. Let's, let's skip down to verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to him. They're like, hey, man, Philip is knocking it out the park down there, preaching these revival services. And so they're like, hey, let's go see what's going on. So Peter and John come to the revival service, and it says this, verse 15, they came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus as his possession. Remember, the demons had possessed them, but now they belong to Jesus. They're in his possession. Come on. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them one by one, and they received the Holy Spirit. What in the world is going on in this story? Because we start out with unclean spirits, and we wind up with Holy Spirit. We start out with, with so much dysfunction and brokenness, and we wind up with people who are filled with the Spirit of God, and their life is changing. I want to tell you this story to really set the message up today. I can remember when I was a kid, uh, sitting with my grandpa, I called him Papa. Come on, how many of you, you, you call your grandpa Pawpaw? Come on, that, that's deep south Louisiana Cajun right there. Pawpaw, Pawpaw. Sit down with Pawpaw on the front porch. And uh, we would sit out there often, and he would always impart wisdom 
and tell me some stories and make some things up to make me think he was a legend. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The, the walked uphill both ways to school. Y'all know that story? You'll tell it one day, don't worry. Um, and I remember there were these two young guys walking down uh, the road. We didn't live on a street. We lived on a road in the country. You know what I'm saying? But there was a corner store. And we could tell they were coming from there. They were doing some things uh, that were inappropriate for their age. And um, my grandpa looks at them, and he just, you know, he has to comment. There's a commentary that comes from, from some older folks sometimes, just live commentary. And his commentary that day, he just said this. It came out quickly. He said, you see those boys? Just full of the devil. How many of y'all got a grandpa that would say something like that? Make me feel better about this thing. How many of you got a mom and a dad that would say something like that? Hold on, hold on. How many of you would say something like that? There we go. Now we're getting somewhere. Just said, those boys, they full of the devil. And it made me think there's these old school sayings that we have that I think are kind of hilarious. Just old school. Some of the older folks say these things. Like, you ever, you ever seen one of these older grandmothers that saw one of these young girls dress inappropriately? And she's got a little bit of an attitude. You know what she'll say? She'll say something like this. Mm, look at that little Jezebel. <laughs> Come on, how many of y'all know that grandma? <laughs> that little Jezebel. <laughs> Who's Jezebel? <laughs> it's in the Bible. Or, or somebody's kids are acting up, and they're like, man, those kids are demon-possessed. You probably said that about your kids before. Don't do that, by the way. Or, or there's that guy that's losing his temper. You know what I'm saying? Just losing it. And I was like, well, look at the devil himself right there. I think without realizing it, when we're saying that, like, we're not in the right spirit, by the way, whenever we say that stuff. Am I right? That's like, gosh, come on, man, be careful. Uh, but without realizing it, what we're, what's happening is they're describing something about that person's spirit. Not necessarily their behavior. It's just something about them. And, and I do think sometimes we misread some things. Come on, we've all been there before where you read it one way and you found out, oh, that's not what it is. Lord, forgive me for being judgmental. But there are some times where you can read it and you can just tell something's not right. And I don't know what it is, but something, I don't know, it's just not right. What we're doing is we're describing something about their spirit. And you've seen that person before. You could, it's like you could read their body language and it's like something is going on inside. There is something that's going on in there and, and we, we, we have a hard time describing it. But what we can tell is that there is some type of brokenness that is there in their spirit. I'm not sure what it is, but something in their spirit just isn't right. And we, we make these comments sometimes like in a joking manner. You know what I'm saying? But in reality, it is no joke whenever a person's spirit is broken. It's really no joke. Because that person could be dealing with the utmost discouragement that you have never seen. And just because they're acting out in one way that you may not approve of, you may not understand what's really going on. on the. And I'm not making an excuse for no one. Amen? Because just because you're dealing with something, that doesn't mean that God gives you the license to sin like a heathen. Amen? I mean, for real. Like, And sometimes we think, well, I'm going through something, so I can just do whatever to get relief. Listen, you are still bound by the word of God. You're still bound by the boundaries of righteousness. Can I say it that way? And just because we're going through something doesn't mean I could just start letting the profanities fly and dive into some old addictions and all. No, 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 no. What we've got to see is that there is some brokenness there. It could be some person dealing with some anxiety. Or perhaps they're dealing with some deception. You ever been deceived before? I know, it's like, I don't want to advertise that. But like, yeah. Intimidated. I don't know why I'm so intimidated at work. I'm not usually this way, but... Or maybe you are an intimidating person. And you call it strength. And actually, you're just flexing on everybody and it's a form of pride. Jesus, take the wheel. Okay. Could be a fearful spirit. 
I believe there is a big time fearful spirit in our world today. It's not just I'm afraid of this. It is a spirit, man, because it's controlling people, an intimidating spirit. By the way, a Jezebel spirit, because people always try to define that by something inappropriate and how people are dressed and how they're acting, you know, but all that other stuff. It's really an intimidating spirit. That's what it is. It's an intimidating spirit. It could be a lying spirit. I mean, and listen, I'm not trying to, to, to label everything as a spirit and your kids would be like, well, Pastor Wade said it's a spirit. It's not me. I have no control over it. <laughs> well, listen, if you leave the door to the house open, some critters may get in. So you got to close the door. But sometimes because we've lost it, we storm through life and we leave all kinds of doors open and all kinds of things come in because we left some doors open. I'm going to be careful not to label everything as a spirit, but consider that when someone's spirit is not right, everything can seem wrong in their life. When your spirit isn't right, it can feel like and seem like everything in your life is wrong. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like you get discouraged about one thing and next thing you know, I got the worst marriage ever. My kids, I don't know what to do with them. Look at this house. It's falling to pieces. This car, and you use all the words about your car because you'll sell that thing right now especially because they're getting big money. You ever notice that though, how it can affect not just that thing, but all the things. It's like, what is, what is going on with this, and I believe what is happening is it's affecting our spirits, and things in our spirit aren't right. And when things in our spirit aren't right, nothing in our lives seems to be right. That's how come negativity gains so much momentum. Because when something doesn't feel right and you can't do anything about it, it just begins to multiply and multiply, and therefore everything is bad. And so sometimes we'll say, I just don't want to be around people who are negative. How many of y'all know somebody negative? And it's like, it's hard to be around them. It's not the person, it's the spirit. It's the spirit. There's something broken in their spirit. And what we see in this city of Samaria, and, and, and I want to help you to see some things, because when you hear like unclean spirits and evil spirits, our minds automatically go to this Halloween, you know, uh, imagery, this scary Halloween uh, ghosts and goblins kind of like, uh, what is that channel, the CW that keeps putting all them shows on there all the time, all the ghosts and vampires and all that stuff. And some of y'all are into that. I'm staying away. I'm just being honest. But when we hear about unclean spirits, it can simply mean not pure or mixed up. I don't want to take away the severity of the supernatural, by the way. I don't. Because I do believe that there are demons. I do believe that there are evil spirits that can influence people's lives. I, I do. And I'm not weird for thinking that. It's been in the Bible. It's all over the place. That is not what I'm talking about today, though. Because there are some other influences that are influencing people's lives that's bringing continual brokenness to their lives over and over and over again. And we're sitting there trying to medicate it. We're sitting there trying to counsel it. We're sitting there trying to take 26 steps to freedom. And we just keep cycling around and around because there is a spiritual need there. There's a spiritual need that is there. And so unclean can simply mean mixed up. Like a mixed drink. Who mixed this in my drink? Some of you are like, I'll take that. Stop. Something that is mixed in to something that you are receiving from that is intoxicating you to cause you to be somebody and act like somebody and do some things that you do not want to do and you know are not right. This is what's going on in Samaria. Uh, this bottle of water right here, if it's not opened yet. But if I said, do you want this bottle of water? You would more than willingly come and take it and you would drink it. But if I opened it and I put a little bit of dirt in it, just a little bit, not a lot, just a little bit. I closed it back and I said, do you want this? You would say, 
I don't want that, Pastor Wade. And I would ask you why. You would say, it's unclean. I don't want to drink something that's unclean. However, so many times in our lives, we get mixed up in not big things. We get mixed up in little things that are impure that come into our lives and mess things up. So let me, let me back this thing up for you. I shouldn't have said that. That's not appropriate. Anyway, gosh, y'all pray for me. The Samaritans. Let's look at this. The Samaritans. We just think they're people from a city named Samaria. But there is so much more to their story. What you need to know about them is that they used to be Jews. They used to be God's chosen people. And when the Jews were taken in captivity, after they were taken into captivity, they scattered all over the place. And this group of people, this group of Jews found their own place. And they began to intermarry with other people. The people that God told them not to intermarry with. Before you get social, I need you to see the spiritual context of this. Because I know, everybody's like, ain't nothing wrong. I know. Come back to the spiritual side of this and see what I'm telling you. He said, I don't want you to intermarry with them. But they did anyway. And as they did, watch this. They mixed some of their religious beliefs with some of the people that they were marrying. They put all of those beliefs together with the foreigners that they had married. And they created their own religion for themselves. It's just a little mixture. It's just a mixture. You can call it a collaboration if you want to. But they mix their belief in God with some other beliefs and created their own. You know how we got these five books of the Bible that Moses wrote for us called the Pentateuch? They wrote their own. They created their own mountain to worship on. They created their own belief system that accommodated the decision that they had made to do something that God told them not to do. And how often in our culture today do we create our own doctrinal belief system out of the decisions that we made so that we can do it the way that we want to do it? We get all mixed up and we wonder why there's some kind of unclean spirits that is going on in our lives. It may not be nipping at your toes in the middle of the night when you're trying to sleep and scaring you with all of these weird, like, supernatural things. Oh, I saw a ghost in the hallway. But it may show up in some areas of your life that scares you more than a ghost in the hallway ever would. Come on. And what is going on here? Perhaps leaving some doors open and mixing, mixing some things so it matches what we want it to be. Watch this. The Samaritans, they rejected the writings of the prophets. You say, well, that's not a big deal. They rejected the Levitical priesthood. You say, well, that's not a big deal. These people just weren't religious people passed away. But what you miss in this story is that the prophets and the priesthood were foreshadows of Jesus. The prophets were pointing to Jesus. The Levitical law was a setup for Jesus, and they rejected all of it. And what happened was they mixed, they were mixed up in what I would call half-truths, incomplete truths. We live in this culture that picks and chooses what they want to believe and follows it, mixes it all up, creates their own belief system and they treat the bible i said it last week like a buffet can i drop a word on you today that may make some of you walk out of here cynthia's not here so i can say it this is called humanism and humanism is a system of belief that is all about me and not about god in other words god your job i'll just simplify it is to make me happy. That's what your job is, God, to make me happy. 
Point number one today, you can't have a right spirit with wrong beliefs. You cannot have a right spirit with the wrong belief. You can't mix and have the right spirit. And we're trying so hard to, man. We're trying to mix things up that fit our liking. Can I tell you this? There are some things about being a believer, a follower of Jesus, that I personally do not like. I know. Don't breathe too hard. Don't gasp too much. Because there's a lot of stuff that we don't like. However, I see the big picture. And I trust him enough to know that he's looking out for my good. Even though he may take me through some area sometime. He may take me down a path I didn't want to go. I may have to walk through the wilderness to get to the promised land. But he knows what's best. So you can't have a right spirit with wrong beliefs. I just have to choose to believe it even though it doesn't make me feel the most comfortable. Right? So this is what I found. Uh, a lot of people are afraid of believing the wrong things. They are. But the real issue is people not believing the right things. Not believing the right things. So let me, let me show you how this sounds. I don't believe you have to, and you fill in the blank, to be a Christian. I don't believe you have to fill in the blank to be a Christian. Oh, I know there's doctrinal, like all these doctrinal setup to, to say, hey, salvation is only by faith through Jesus Christ and all this. But there are people who say things like, I don't believe you got to go to church to be a Christian. And they're missing the whole point of what it's all about. And so they will, for their comfort and their convenience, and they're creating their own doctrinal belief system, they would just say, you don't have to go to church. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say that you've got to go to church in order to go to heaven. And without realizing, what are we doing? We're just lowering the standard. Just dropping the bar. Why do we do that? Because we're mixing. We're mixing our beliefs here, here's another one. I don't believe, and you fill in the blank, is bad. I don't believe it's that bad. I mean, why do Christians want to judge people for doing things like that? It is not that bad. But this is what the mixing sounds like. And we keep dropping the standard more and more and more. We keep dropping it because, oh, we don't want to be holier than thou. But next thing you know, we're not even holy anymore. It ain't a comparison of if I'm holier than you. It's just that I'm choosing to live unholy. But I'm trying to spin it in such a way that I don't feel convicted for it. But when I read the Bible and I got to stay away from those verses, and I want the, the sugar verses because that makes me feel better. Come on, man. This is, this is what I'm talking about is going on in Samaria. It's just a little mixture. It's just a little mixture, but watch this. They were broken in their beliefs, and therefore they were broken in their spirit. Their beliefs were broken, and it's showing up in their spirits. And when Philip shows up and begins to proclaim the name of Jesus and the kingdom of God, unclean spirits begin to manifest. You don't believe me? If I preach message on the hot topics, I can get some people in here worked up. Seriously, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Isn't it something how we do that? Like, I don't want standards, but yet when we're trying to find a neighborhood and buy a car, we want the highest standards there are, the best for my family while I live the lowest. So because of their beliefs, watch this, they had become possessed they become influenced by their own belief system. And as a result, they had spiritual issues. This is what you know about Satan. He always pushes selfishness. Satan always pushes selfishness and everything that accommodates it. Whereas Jesus always talks and proves and lives and shows sacrifice. Always. He gave his life. 
So when Jesus comes to the cross, what did he do? He came to awaken us spiritually. When we're born again, we are awakened spiritually. Think of that. Awaken us spiritually. There's, there's something in our spirit that needs to be awakened, something in our spirit that needs to come alive. There's a story in John chapter 4 where uh, Jesus is leaving Judea to go to Galilee. And watch this. He has to pass through Samaria. And he stops at a well for a drink of water, and he encounters this Samaritan woman. And he asks her for a drink. In other words, can you draw down, pull some water out of the well, and give me some water? And the woman is surprised that Jesus is associating with her because Jews do not associate with Samaritans. They just don't because you are, you're a coward to us because you intermarried, you created your own, but you're still trying to hold heritage to some promises, but yet you're living crazy. So we don't know you and we don't like you. And this woman who is a Samaritan says, Jesus, why are you asking me for a drink? Now, when Jesus does something, it's not just about what needs to be done. There's a bigger picture. And there's a bigger picture that's actually taking place in this story here. Remember this woman, she is part Jew. And Jesus came to be the Messiah first to the Jews. And she doesn't even recognize Jesus when he is standing right there in front of her because she is so caught up in the beliefs that she has made up. And I wonder how many times Jesus shows up right in our lives and we can't even recognize that as Jesus because our belief system that we have created has excluded him until there's an emergency. So watch this. Jesus says this in verse 13. He replies to the woman, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. It's clean and it's pure. It washes. Clean. Purity. If you drink this, come on eternal life. So verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. And watch this verse 16. Jesus says, go and get your husband. Because Jesus is not just trying to work on her. What about her family? I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Jesus reading the mail. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> what is going on here? And Jesus, you've been kind of like watching me? <laughs> I am God. <laughs> Here's point number two. You can't have a right spirit without Jesus. You can build your belief system, your doctrine, all of that, your tradition, all of it. But if it does not include Jesus, you cannot have a right spirit. You can be as positive as you want. And I encourage positivity. But you could be as positive as you want. But I promise you this, the universe ain't going to give it to you. And karma ain't going to help you out. So watch this. Jesus is righteousness. This is important for us to know. He doesn't just do righteous things. He is righteousness. He came to make us right. Not I'm right and you're wrong. But I have a right spirit. I am in right standing in this relationship with God. And when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin because Jesus has come to pay the price for my sin. And his blood that was shed covers all of my sin. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see where I'm broken. He sees where I'm made right by the blood of Jesus. And it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. To be covered by the blood of Jesus. I know it's graphic, but it is a spiritual thing because there is life in the blood. 
his life for ours. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And how did that happen? He laid down his life. The right spirit sacrificed so that the wrong spirit, the broken spirit, could be made whole and we could have a right spirit. Can't be done without Jesus. You can go into all the self-care you want to try to heal inwardly, but without Jesus, you won't heal. You will just only go so far. Amen? Take care of yourself, but bring Jesus. Let him be the Lord of your life. Amen? So when I looked at this story, I realized this woman is having an encounter with Jesus. We talked about this last week. We need encounters with Jesus. She's having an encounter with Jesus. You said, yeah, but Jesus is like reading her mail. That's kind of embarrassing. Nobody else was around. The safest place for this to happen is with Jesus because we know he's not going to condemn her. We saw the woman caught in adultery when all the priests and the religious leaders were trying to stone her. And Jesus says, whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. Mic drop. Walk away. So we know he's not about to stone her. It's the safest place. This encounter with God was the safest place. And this is what we see. Obviously, she was broken. She was living in some area. And when you see she had five husbands, don't get judgmental. But consider she may have some relationship issues, man. She may have some commitment issues, some family issues. She may have some stuff going on inside of her that is wrecking every relationship that she gets into. We don't know if she went to marriage counseling. We don't know if she went to therapy. We don't even know if she had a prescription. We don't know. But all I know is when I look at the story and consider the track record that she has, there is something broken in her life that needs to be healed. She encounters Jesus. And she is so surprised that Jesus is the Messiah. This is what she does. She left the water jar to go back to Samaria and tell everyone she encountered Jesus. She left the water jar to go tell everyone in Samaria she encountered Jesus. She went from broken to breakthrough. Now, catch the story. Because she is the, the pioneer, if you will, to bring the message of Jesus to Samaria. She, she's the one that's telling them about Jesus. So now Philip shows up. I'm sure some people had heard about what had happened. And who knows what happened to her? I, I just like to think that they're looking at her life and saying, if he can do it for her, he can do it for me. But they thought the movement was over because Jesus had died. But they didn't realize that the movement had just started because now there were new people being raised up. There were some believers that were being raised up that were taking what Jesus had done in their life and begin to share it with these people. And as, he, as they begin to share it, there was breakthrough that was happening there. So watch this. This is what Jesus tells her in John 4, 22 and 23. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. Why? Because you created your own belief system and your belief system's all about you. And so you know nothing about Jesus. So when you're walking through sickness, you don't think Jesus is the healer. When you're walking through a struggle, you don't see Jesus as hope. You don't see Jesus as salvation. You don't see Jesus as deliverance. What do you do? I need to figure this out. I need to talk to this friend and that friend and all that. When really the answer is Jesus. But the belief system doesn't set you up to look to Jesus. And so Jesus says, you know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. That talks about hope in the future. But then he says this, indeed, it's here now. We just finished a series called It's Time. He said, you know it's been coming, but... It's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father, how? In spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is, say it, God is. Spirit. 
God is, and those who worship him must worship in and in truth. He tells her, you have a form of worship, a belief system that doesn't include me. But the time has come for you when your worship will be in spirit and in truth. Let me say it this, this way. There is a new influence, and it's called the Holy Spirit. That is shining life and the truth. Who is Jesus, by the way? Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth, and all that comes out of his mouth is truth. Amen? That will set you free. Jesus is the truth that will set you free. So now, Acts 8, Philip is in Samaria, and there is a stronghold over the city because of their beliefs. Philip begins to preach about Jesus, the one the woman at the well has encountered. And when he proclaimed Jesus and his kingdom to people who were mixed up with a broken spirit, people who were overpowered by a mixture of beliefs, it was a cocktail of belief that had intoxicated them now there is something else a new influence in town and it's the Holy Spirit that would set them free from this influence that was over their lives man number three you can't have a right spirit without the right influences you can't have the right spirit Without the right influences. Let me say it like this. Whatever we permit in our lives has the power to possess us. Permission leads to submission. What are you permitting in your life that could influence you? What are you mixing in your belief system that could be influencing you. I'll say it this way. If God said to cut this thing out of your life, to remove it from your life, would you obey? Or would you object? Objection, your honor. Or would you obey? Would it begin with an explanation of why? Or would it start with just If you say, I'll do it. And if your objection is that big, if it's that big of a deal to you, then that thing probably has power over you. This is where we must allow his influence in our lives. Every part of our lives, every there's not just the Sunday part, y'all. This is the everyday life of following Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And when we say that, we have to understand it's all about following him. It's all about believing him. It's all about trusting him. It's all about, I don't like it, but I'll still agree with it because you are Lord. See, everybody wants Jesus to be their friend. They want Jesus to be the first responder. But can we allow Jesus to be Lord? Can we allow him to be the one that influences our decision? Can we allow him to be the one that influences our beliefs? Can we allow him to be the one that influences how we do family? Can we let him be the Lord of our lives to influence how we live our lives in every part? Because it's exhausting putting on the costume every Sunday and pretending that we are spiritual when we can tell that there's something something right there. And you can try to cover it up with brother. You can throw the suit and tie on all you want. You can be the lady and wear the fancy hat in church. When something in your spirit ain't right, you can't cover it up. And if you're in the club, they can tell something's not right with you. They can tell. Today we sang the song about authority. We want his word for the healing we need, but do we want his word for the direction that we should go? 
We want his authority to overpower all of the negativity, but do we want his word, his power, to be the authority to tell us no in an area of our life where we want him to say yes? Come on. Influence. Who are you around? Who are the people around you in your life? What's speaking into your life? What are you, what are you feeding on? Can I say it that way? What are you, what are you feeding on? What's, well, let, me, let me press it a little bit. What's your entertainment? Because whatever you entertain influences you. It does, man. It does. You can't just listen to anything, watch anything, and think that you you got Teflon on. Some of us can't even make it through a conversation with our kids and our spouse without it just making us lose our mind. How in the world are we going to go watch something or listen to something that has this kind of spirit that ain't right and think that it's never going to affect me? And the same thing with our kids. Our kids are, are partaking of so much media and everything and just think, oh, that's just keeping them busy. It's not just keeping them busy. It's indoctrinating them to believe that it's okay to mix. It's okay to mix it up. It's okay to have a little bit of that because just a little bit in the, in the drink ain't so bad until it starts making you sick. And we always look back and say, I wish I would have, and I wish I wouldn't have, and we could have, and we should have. The breakthrough, watch this, because we want breakthrough. The breakthrough occurs when we allow Jesus to be the ultimate authority. When we allow him to be the ultimate authority. So watch this. This is where the Prince of Peace has authority in our life. Therefore, there is peace in our lives. What are you mixing? What are you consuming that is mixed up? That's making you sick. That's making you broken. But you know, I've tried to accommodate and create the most convenience and get around this and get around that with God, but I can't get around it. Because where I'm trying to go, I can't get to it until I overcome this thing. And sometimes you just got to leave that drink that you were drinking at the well that you've been drinking from. Just like that woman, she didn't bring it with her. She left it there because she had tasted something now that brought purity in her life, that brought healing in her life, that restored her soul. And she couldn't help but go back and talk about it. Want to know why people don't want to talk about Jesus today? Because Jesus isn't the Lord. Jesus ain't in the mix. And they don't know how to explain what they're mixed up in. Come on. So today, the Lord put it on my heart. If you know that there are some things that you have gotten mixed up in and some things that you're mixing up and putting into your life, it's a simple word and it is sharp, but I got to say it. It's time to repent. It's time to repent. And repent is change directions. Instead of going that route, I'm taking a different route. And that route doesn't mean I'm avoiding what God is saying. That route is I'm going to what God is saying. Following Jesus is taking his route. We want breakthrough. Come on, how many of you want breakthrough? You want healing. You want all those things. Why are we looking for some mixture, some concoction that we have come up with to try to give us the breakthrough that an encounter, only an encounter with Jesus can give us? Only an encounter with Jesus. I believe people are encountering him right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed throughout this room. If you are here today and you know you're mixed up in some things, perhaps you have filled your mind with some beliefs that are contrary to the word of God. And not because you were trying to become a pagan, but you were trying to accommodate your preference of how you wanted to live. But today, Jesus showed up at the well that you've been drinking from. And he says, if you will drink from this 
fountain. If you will drink from me, you will never thirst again. Come on. If you've gotten mixed up, this isn't just, oh, I need to be saved. This is, as a believer, I've gotten mixed up in some things. I've been around some people that said some things. I'm confused. I don't know, but I need Jesus today to bring the clarity. I need Jesus today. I need an encounter with him today. I just want you to lift your hand. You say, I got mixed up in some stuff. I got mixed up in some arguments. I got mixed up in some emotional stuff. I got mixed up in some things I shouldn't have been looking at. Some things I've been watching. I've been taking of some things in my life that didn't need to be there. I've gotten myself in something, Pastor. I got mixed up. I got mixed up. I'm confused. I'm confused. And today, today, Jesus says, if you drink from this fountain, you will never thirst again. Everyone standing to your feet all across the room. I want to pray for you this morning. Hands raised. This is a God moment. This is a God moment. I'm believing for deliverance. I'm believing for breakthrough. I'm believing for chains to be broken off of people's lives. I'm believing for addictions to be broken. You say, Pastor Wade, is it that easy? I don't know how God does it, but I know he sets the captives free. I know that he says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I know that Jesus is the truth that sets us free free. And this isn't a formula. This is the person of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it in Samaria, he could do it in Samaria's right here in this place today. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to pour yourself out all over this room, setting captives free, bringing purity, bringing change, bringing healing, bringing restoration, God. I pray today the things that we have gotten mixed up in. We will leave it at the well. We will leave it there and we will begin to drink from your fountain. Holy Spirit come and fill your people all over this room today. God let your spirit be the guide. Let your Holy Spirit be the guide. We need you today. Right here, whatever you've gotten mixed up in, under your breath, you don't have to say it out loud, just under your breath. Just tell him what it is. Say, God, I'm leaving it at the well. I'm leaving it there. And I'm taking you. I'm leaving it there. That conversation that person had where they said all that stuff that has affected you since you were 14 years old. And you've been living your life through that one conversation. He speaks a better word. He speaks a better word. Those memories that just keep replaying over and over and over and over in your mind that just amplifies condemnation over and over from the enemy. He speaks a better word. Father, create in us a pure heart and renew a right spirit. A spirit that produces love, joy, peace, patience and kindness and gentleness and meekness and self-control. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place today. Come on, can't you just feel the change in this place? I just touching people. If you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus and made him the Lord and Savior of your life, today I invite you. I urge you to submit your life, surrender your life to Jesus and let him be your Lord and Savior. I want to lead you in this prayer. And if that's you, along with everyone else in this room, those who are watching at home, I want you to pray this with me today. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me and for coming to my rescue to pay the price that I couldn't pay for the sins that I've committed. I deserve punishment, but you came to bring me forgiveness. Forgiveness. 
So today I put my faith and trust in you. And I decide now I'm following your ways. I'm believing you, following you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. No more living the old way. I have a new way of living. I'm living my life your way. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.